We have opened this new year, this 2022 new year, by introducing the theme, After God's Own Heart. And in our current sermon series that we are on, we're exploring how we overrate certain things based on our experience of what is realistic. Uh, Oftentimes, we, we know by our own personal experiences, these things are realistic because that's been my experience as I've been growing up in the world that we live in. Last week, we saw how appearances can be a deterrent to following God at certain times because it seems absurd that we don't even consider it a possibility. We look at certain appearance of things. And when God calls us during those times and the appearance looks off, we don't even consider it to be a possibility in following God. But just as David experienced God's power at work in him in defeating Goliath, where by all appearances, it seemed like an impossibility, something that he should not even consider. We were challenged last week not to allow our own personal Goliaths to keep us from stepping into God's invitation. Now that part's really important. It doesn't mean that we just go around and look at anything that's impossible and we say, hey, you know what? I'm going to challenge that. No, it's to God's invitation. When we sense God's invitation in a certain place, in a certain way, and we know clearly it is from God, despite appearances, this is our opportunity to experience Him. Today, we're continuing in that same series of how we overrate certain things in following after God by exploring our abilities, our abilities. You see, for many of us, we've learned to be realistic and determine our steps through the limitations of what we perceive as our abilities. Now, I'm not discounting the importance of understanding the limits limits of our abilities and how we make everyday decisions in our life. I'm not calling us to be Um, to just throw all caution to the wind and we just ignore the abilities that we have and we just say, I don't care, I'm going to do it anyways. That's not what this is about. What it's about is we cannot allow the limitations of whatever abilities that we have be that factor that keeps us from responding to God when He clearly invites us to follow Him and trust Him. See, this is what really solidifies, really anchors our experience and our relationship with God. It's in those moments that we sense the reality of God in our lives. For those of us who feel like, I don't really experience God. Like, I've been a follower of Jesus Christ ever since I was born. But the reality of that, the depth of that inside of my own heart, that conviction, I haven't experienced that perhaps We have an opportunity in 2022 to deepen that experience because the only place that we really experience the true power and that true blessing, that true presence of God in our life beyond our shadow of a doubt is when we accept his invitation to go with him in a certain way. Let's not allow our abilities to be the limiting factor that keeps us from following him. You know, During World War II, when Nazi Germany 
invaded the Netherlands, there was a Dutch watchmaker that lived there by the name of Cory Ten Boom. Cory Ten Boom was not just a watchmaker and it was passed down from her, for, from her father and it was a kind of family business that they did, but she was also a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, she along with her family, if you don't know Cory Ten Boom's um, history, she along with her family, after Nazi Germany invaded, they were seeking out any Jewish person that lived in their vicinity. And Cory Ten Boom, despite the risk of imprisonment and possible death, her and her father and her sister decided, we need to do our best to help our Jewish neighbors as Nazi Germany is looking for them and trying to send them into these concentration camps. So what she did was this. She used her very own house to create a secret hiding place in her own bedroom. Now, what she didn't have as a watchmaker, she didn't have any ability as a spy she didn't have any ability of knowing, you know, how do, how do we create a certain response mechanism within our own house so that when the Gestapo comes and they do this, um, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this search that suddenly comes without any warning, how do we create a warning system within our house that is quiet enough, but it is, um, it is public enough to let people know in our house, in our vicinity, to quickly go into the hiding place and hide. How do we even create such a hiding place so it doesn't appear like there is a room behind a certain wall? She didn't have any of those abilities, yet her and her family decided we have to follow through with what God is calling us to do. You know, in reflection of her life's actions, and as she looked back at her whole experience, yes, she was caught, but the six Jewish people that she was hiding in her room, they never found them, and they were set free. But because of her actions in following God, she was sent to a concentration camp, and at that camp with her and her father and her sister, her father died in the camp, and so did her sister. And she alone survived. And after surviving this, this is one of the famous quotes that she gave. And she said this in response to God's invitation in her life. It is not my ability, but my response to God's ability that counts. It is not my ability but my response to God's ability that counts. You know, for her, she could have easily said when that invitation came to hide these people, she could have said, I'm not skilled in this. I don't know the first thing to do in hiding people. I don't even know the first thing to do of how to create a hiding place in my house. I'm a simple watchmaker. No one trained me for this. Instead of responding in that way and automatically shutting out God's invitation because of her lack of ability, her response was, it's not my ability, but my response to God's ability that counts. 
You know, she wrote a, a book, a biography of her experience. And this experience is all encapsulated in her book called The Hiding Place. And in her book, she actually said the following, because again, it's not as easy as just simply saying, it's not my ability, but my response to God, God's ability that counts. She also experienced this in desiring to follow that and trying to live in that kind of way. She said this, Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. See, brothers and sisters, there are some times in our life where, yes, God calls us and we accept that invitation and we accept it with this thought of, God, you have to do the work. But the funny thing is, we have the tendency of taking over. We have the tendency of, again, leaning on our ability. And in Corey Tenboom's own experience, she had times in her life where she's depending on God's ability, but at the same time, she's trying to work by her own. And whenever she did that, and she tried to follow God based on her abilities, she found it to be the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. Is it possible, brothers and sisters, if we felt that the majority of our Christian life in following after God because we are sure that He has given us this vision, we are sure He has given us this certain calling, and as we try to follow Him, rather than experiencing a life-giving presence, we have experienced a life-sapping presence. Perhaps it's because we've turned towards leaning more on our ability, which has made trying to follow God tedious confusing and exhausting. You know, sometimes for us, we have to understand that when God invites us and when God calls us, He is not calling us to follow in our own strength, but to learn to lean on His power, to learn how to anchor ourselves in prayer in Him, to learn to experience all of these things by His power and depending on His Holy Spirit. You know, we need to heed the tendency that we have of primarily using our ability as a steering wheel while depending on God as a spare tire. Sometimes we find that, right? Well, our ability is the main steering wheel, right? And depending on God or praying to God or seeking God's help is the spare tire just in case things work, uh, don't work out. But it actually has to be the other way where depending on God becomes our primary steering wheel of our life. Let's read Exodus chapter 4, verse 10 to 17 together. This is where uh, we'll get the main, um, uh, the main anchor of our passage today from which this over, what we overrate our ability, it comes from. It reads this. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But the Lord said, pardon your, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please 
Send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if your mouth, um, uh, as if he were your mouth and as, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Father, I pray that as we journey through your word together, may the truth of this salvation history that we see, of how you've engaged with this great cloud of witnesses in the past, may it speak to us, Father Lord. May we give attention to it, Lord. And I pray, Father, that we may be filled by your spirit and we lay down our fears, we lay down the limitations of our ability as an excuse of following you. We commit this word into your hand today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I love the way that God responds to Moses' excuse when God's inviting him to join him in the work that he's about to do. See, even after showing Moses signs, so what happens right before that is this. God brings Moses and he lures him through the burning bush, right? So basically God's saying, look what I can do. I can make a bush burn without really burning, right? And so Moses is looking at that and then God speaks out of that burning bush. Not only that, what we see happening there is God reveals to Moses the plan that he is about to accomplish in and through Moses in bringing salvation to the people of Israel or to the Hebrew people. So God the whole time is saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And then he says, and Moses, when you go speak to Pharaoh, here are the signs that I'm going to give you to do. And again, what God does with Moses is that whole time God shows Moses God's ability. Not Moses' ability. He says, see that staff that's in your hand right now? Throw it down. And as soon as he throws it down, what did it become? A, a poisonous snake. He changes an element, a mere stick, a dead stick, and he changes that element into a living thing. And then not only does he do that, then he tells Moses, see that stick that I changed to become a living thing? Now pick it up again and see my power return it back to an old stick again. And that's exactly what happens. Then he takes Moses' hand and he says, see your hand, your healthy hand that you have, put in your cloak and then take it out. And it became leprous as snow. And then after doing that, Moses sees that. He says, in just an instant, God can change the healthiness of my hand to become as leprous as snow. And he goes, put it back in your cloak and take it back out again. And it was healed. God again shows his ability. There's nothing that limits me, Moses. What is your reality is not my reality. Not my reality. And then he says, for the last sign, you're going to have to go there and do it because I'm going to do it with the Nile River. I'm going to take it and turn this water into blood. 
See, this whole experience, the signs, the the revelation, and everything, everything God is doing to point to God's ability, saying, Moses, I am doing this. Yet Moses' response to God when he says, now I am sending you, Moses, to show my ability to Pharaoh, Moses says this. He says, Lord, I can't do it. I don't have the ability. In fact, not even since I was young, not even after meeting with you and during this short conversation having with you, did my speech improve. I am not good at speaking, Lord. So don't send me, send someone else. You know, it's amazing. The whole time, God's not emphasizing Moses' ability. He's not emphasizing Moses' speech. He's emphasizing God's ability. Yet Moses brings the excuse of his inability. He says, I can't do that. I can't speak. And look how God responds to that. And he says, Moses, did you not just see what I just did with so many different things? Who gave humans their mouth? In the same way that I can take an inert stick and make it a living thing, am I not capable as God to do the same with your mouth? Who gave humans their mouth that I can make it speak? I can make it mute. You have to trust in my ability and not allow your inability to limit the work that I can do through you. You know, for some of us, I know that we have Vivian in here, and Vivian, you know, she does coding and everything. In other words, in Vivian, in your language, God says, I'm going to recode, Moses, your mouth. I'm going to recode your DNA sequence so that you can say it and you can lead it in this kind of way. And so what God says to Moses' excuse, he says, now go, and look what he says. He just says, you're on your own, Moses have faith in me. No, that's not what God says. God says, now go, and he says this, I will help you. Now go, I will help you. I will teach you what to speak. I will teach you what to say to the people. God is basically offering his whole self to Moses, saying, I'm in your corner, Moses. I will go with you. My presence will be with you the whole journey. But surprisingly, Moses rejects God. Even when God says, I'll be by your side. I'll hold your hand through the whole process. Moses says, no. Even if you hold my hand, my mouth's not so good. And I don't think that's going to help me at all. Moses gives a hard pass. Even after the miracles, even after the honor of the selection, even after God's promises to guide him and to help him, Moses says, "Mm, nah, sorry God, send someone else. And when we look at our life, it begs us to wonder, how many times have we given, without consideration, without reflection, that automatic hard pass to God? Even though he invites us, even though he says that he'll go with us and he wants us to deeply experience his ability and to deepen our experience of who he is, we just give that hard pass because we look at our own self 
perceived inability. How many times have we automatically said no to God? Where this thought comes and we sense God's presence, but we just wipe it aside. Because it is obvious to me, according to my self-perceived inability, that that's not something I can do. You know, during this whole time, God doesn't ask Moses what you can or what you cannot do. He tells Moses, trust in me and my call on your life so that you may experience my power and the people around you will experience who I really am. Yet the only one that mentions the self-perceived inability, God never mentions it. We never hear anyone else in the entire Bible ever mentioned to Moses, even when he's in the Pharaoh's household, even when he's leading the people of God, even when he's talking with Aaron. He doesn't say, Aaron never says to Moses, hey Moses, can you speak a little bit more clearly? Because you're stuttering all the time and I don't understand what you are saying. No one ever mentions that to Moses. In fact, it's Moses' self-perceived inability that, that uh, imprisons him into a certain mindset. It's only Moses that says to God three times that we see. He says, sorry, I am slow of speech. I don't think I am good enough to be able to do this. See, I don't know where that came from. And I don't know exactly what it means when Moses says slow of speech. A lot of scholars, they think that is because he had a stutter. I'm not so sure if he had a stutter because we never hear that before. In fact, when we look at the first time that he tries to, tries to lead and to guide the Hebrew people as a whole was a time when fellow Hebrew slaves were fighting against each other. And as they're fighting against each other, he's saying, why are you guys fighting? And their response to Moses at that time is what? You're going to kill us too? Just like you killed that Egyptian slave master? And that's what causes Moses to run away. His first engagement with trying to lead people with his own effort, with his own ability, resulted in failure. See, what Moses felt of himself, he says, I'm not an inspiring leader. I tried to lead people in the past. And all that resulted in was anger, them calling me out, and failure. And I think that's what he was living with. This, I am slow of speech. You know, I don't know what the right thing to say. When people stand against me and they suddenly say something like that, I didn't know how to respond to that. And my only response was to run away. I am slow of speech. I don't have that eloquence to be able to give people a different vision, a new vision, and to lead people this way. I am a failure, so don't use me in that kind of way. See, for many of us, we all have our own self-perceived limited abilities. Sometimes those things can be so strong that they actually become idols in our life. What I mean by an idol is this. We believe in that self-perceived limited ability more than we trust in God's word or call on our life. We allow that to be the dominant voice that determines what we can or cannot do. 
rather than allowing God's voice to be the one that directs us in the way that we need to go. That's what we see happening here. I think in my mind that Moses didn't stutter. I think that he had the self-perceived notion that I'm not a good speaker. See, God, the entire time, God's doing these great works in Moses' life. He's revealing these great things. Moses knows he's in the presence of God. He sees these miracles that God is doing uh, in the time that he has, speaking with God during the burning bush experience. And Moses experiences this, this awesome presence of God in his life. And his whole response to this awesomeness is, not me, God. Send someone else. No, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter how many revival services that we go to. It doesn't matter how deep these worship experiences that we have in our life and how uh, intimate it may feel as we deepen ourselves with Him. But as long as those limited ability, self-perceived limited ability becomes our dominant voice, our item in our life, no matter how deep our experience with God becomes, at the end of the day, rather than God revealing all of these things to you and you having this incredible intimacy with God, at the end of the day, we cannot be like Moses and say to him, well, that was great and all, but it ends here because at the end of the day, what limits me is this inability. Where God is saying, I revealed all of this to lead you past that, to overcome this idol in your life. Yet after all of that exposure, Moses chooses to listen to a voice that has been with him since he was younger. That I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. God can't use me in this. This is my crutch. In fact, this is what happens. If you read on through the story and we get to Exodus chapter 6, Moses brings it up again because he's so scared even though, you know, they go together and they go to the Israelites and they say to the Pharaoh there saying, hey, let my people go because God wants them to go into the desert to worship him. And as a result, Pharaoh gets so angry and he doubles their load in making bricks. And as he does that, the people of Israel get so angry, right? And they get angry with Moses saying, are we not suffering enough that you came here to stir the pot even more and to make life more miserable for us? And as a result of that, you can imagine Moses just spiraling back to his old days when he tried to help his fellow Hebrew slaves, right? And he sees that failure there. And again, this failure that they're not listening to him. And you know how he prays to God at that time? In, in uh, Exodus chapter 6, verse 12, he says, Look at me, God. I'm a guy of faltering lips. See, again, he brings that up. He brings up this, this uh, crutch. He brings up this, this inability. He says, See, I told you, God, it was a waste of time. I told you you sent the wrong person. And then again, it gets worse. And then by the time that we see Exodus chapter 6, verse 30, Moses says the same thing again as things are not working out. 
And it looks like, again, I have no leadership. And Moses throws that back to God saying, I am a man of faltering lips, God. How many times do I have to tell you I can't do this? It's not working. See, we need to be careful. Because for a lot of us, our hearts and our minds are muted towards what God wants us to do because we are so convinced of our certain limitations. We are so convinced that not even God can do something about that. For each one of us, we need to heed Moses' experience because in our own experiences, if we have a self-perceived limitation in what we consider our inability, that can really be an idol of our life. No matter how much God speaks into us, no matter how much God invites us to follow him, we allow that idol to be the voice that we follow and it prevents us from deepening our relationship with him. Now, here's the last point that I want to make. As we continue through this, I, I, I see this kind of wonder of God's anger. The wonder of God's anger I see in this passage. And what I mean by that is this. When you look at verse 14, it's an incredible response that we see God give to Moses. It says this. It says, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. It's crazy, right? It's just like God's showing all these things. God's showing himself saying, I can do all these things. And Moses goes, nah, sorry, my tongue, you know, it's stronger than you. So sorry, you can't change that. And it, can you imagine the frustration? God's like, what did I just show you? Like it says his anger burned against Moses. And now you're thinking, oh boy, <laughs> right? Moses is going to get it now. Wha-pang, 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 right? He's gonna, really going to get it. How's God going to display his anger? Because sometimes in our life, we feel that too. We disobey God. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> there's going to be lightning. There's going to be whatever. I know I'm in the wrong. What's going to happen? And what happens? How did the Lord's anger manifest against Moses? We see this. God accepts where Moses is at. It's amazing. God doesn't say, Moses, pull up your pants. Be a man. Follow me. Get over yourself. He doesn't do that. He realizes that limitation. He realizes that idol in Moses' life. And he begins there. And he begins with a baby step. And he says, Moses, I don't know why you don't think that I'm good enough for you. I don't know why you think you need some other help apart from the God of the universe. But that's where you're at. And if you think a human being is better suited to help you and will help you along in your journey, then I'll meet you there. And he says, see, Aaron is coming. And Aaron has experience speaking publicly as well. And it seems like you need a friend. 
It seems like you need some assurance that you're not doing this by yourself. He says, I'm sending Aaron and you will be like God to him, giving my words to Aaron to speak to the people on my behalf. You see, brothers and sisters, despite our lack of trust in God, we see that God doesn't just stand by and just say, all right, you know what, you don't trust me? Fine, I'm going to wait until you do. So grow up, and when you mature, and when you learn how to trust in me, then come and follow me. Apart from then, you're on your own. He doesn't do that. He says, I'll meet you where you're at. I'll give you a baby step. I'll give you the help that you really think that you need, but you don't. And he starts there with Moses. He says, I'm sending you Aaron. You don't need him. And it gives you this kind of false sense of security, but you don't really need that because I'm doing all the work anyways. But if that's where you need to start, Moses, let me give you Aaron. And Aaron will help you. And Moses agrees. Moses says, yeah, I really need Aaron. I need my brother, right? I need my brother. He's really strong, right? He's really good at speaking, right? So God, you chose well, like, and I think we can do this together. And you can see the grace of God our Father. The response of the Lord's anger burned against Moses is manifested by grace. What an amazing God. See, brothers and sisters, in our lives too, I want you guys to see that sometimes, yeah, we're so rebellious. We're so like stubborn, right? So stiff-necked. And yeah, it will frustrate God like crazy at times, but it says this. He meets you where you're at. And he provides those small graces to come into your life and to lead you and to guide you, even though all you need is him. You know, our self-perceived ability is overrated. It's always overrated in determining whether we accept God's invitation to go with him. We should never look at our inabilities. Just like Corey Tembum shared, it's not my ability, but my response to God's ability that counts. Brothers and sisters, may we learn how to lay down that idol in our life. May we accept God's grace when he provides us help for things that we don't really need help in. And may we experience God's power and purpose more intimately when we put our trust in him. See, by the end, we know the end of the story, the way that it works, but it was always Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, all throughout the ten plagues, Moses and Aaron. But after they crossed the Red Sea, it's no longer Moses and Aaron. It's just Moses. Finally, Moses came to the point in his journey where he realized, God is who I need. I don't need Aaron. In fact, we saw Aaron, he becomes a hindrance to Moses. And begins to mislead the Hebrew people. Moses realized over time that all he needed was God. All he needed was trusting his father. 
But in the meantime, to get to that point, God was gracious. And he gives that baby step that Moses needs. He meets Moses where he is at. And I pray that we will discover that too. Wherever you feel God is calling you, despite the fact that you might feel, I just can't do it. May you see how God provides that first baby step as well. That security blanket that each one of us needs to let us know we can go with him. Even though we really don't need that security blanket, he provides that because he is good. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for blessing us. I thank you so much, Father Lord, for reminding us today through the example of Corey Tenboom, through the example of Moses, Lord, that we should never allow our self-perceived inabilities prevent us from trusting you and following you when you call. As difficult as it may be at times and as triggering certain experiences bring into our life where it reminds us of our previous failures, it reminds us, Lord, when it didn't work out, I pray that we'll push through those moments. As we do, Father Lord, that we keep trusting in your ability, our response to your ability, rather than isolating everything and making an excuse because of my inability that I continue to fail. May you break that idol in our life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I pray that each one of us may hear again the invitation that you have already given us. And may we learn how to trust and follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.